I suddenly <laughs> have no words. I've never not had words. Okay. Uh, if you were to play rock, paper, scissors right now, what would you throw? Probably rock. Oh, okay. You're a rock guy. I feel like I'm a rock guy. Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the only Survivor podcast that tells you stop throwing challenges. It's not good for you. Please stop doing it. I'm your host, Stephen Levine, with my co-host, Jared Sheldon. Jared, would you throw a challenge? No! (laughs) Why not? No! It goes exactly as planned. Especially especially when Jeff goes, and there's something else, too. It's not gonna just be immunity. There's gonna be something else! Wow, you peaked that microphone real good. <laughs> I am furious. <laughs> oh, Jared, it's been 50 minutes since the last episode, but how you doing? I was hoping I'd be less hungover by now. But I need to eat before that happens, <laughs> I think. Yeah, that was a bold strategy coming over with only eating a, a, a light breakfast. No, I said I had a late breakfast. Oh. I had a bagel and... It's a very different word. Yeah. Uh, and like leftover skillet. So I had, I had a decent sized breakfast. Okay. And right. coffee. And coffee. I don't drink coffee. I'm an addict. Does that stop you from being hungover? A coffee addict, I should say. <laughs> yes, correct. No. No, but it like makes you feel better. <laughs> Just makes you feel good. Yeah. yeah. Your body needs to feed the body, Stephen. Feed the body. I don't feed it coffee because I don't do caffeine like a lunatic. You are a serial killer. Maybe. <laughs> I don't like the look you gave me. <laughs> it's because I I was like, yeah, actually. Yeah, okay. I, I, I could see a documentary in 10 years of like, or I guess it, yeah, that'd be too soon. Like you've discovered like five years of like your court case where it's like, yeah, nobody saw it coming. I hate this. Um, <laughs> okay, well then let's, let's name the hypothetical documentary. What's it called? Hmm. Labine Burrito. <laughs> no. Making a murderer. <laughs> Making a murderer. Uh, no. Um, there's something... I mean, I was thinking Labine something. Spill Labines. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. That's all we need. Okay. <laughs> it could also be my gossip podcast that I start after this one. Spill Labines. You're gonna have a whole Steven podcasting universe. Yeah, the Steven Network. Oh, I'm sorry. You drank water as I said that. I'm so glad seltzer water didn't come out of my nose because I was just imagining. It's a good bit. I I have a lot I can imagine for you doing the Steven Network. (laughs) Oh. You could have the Stevens show where you talk about famous Stevens. You could do a Steven Universe episode. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the only Steven I know. There is a, there is an actor out there, Steven, or not Steven, Tyler Labine. I almost said Steven Tyler. But I almost said Steven Zagol, so. Oh, there you go. There's a lot of Stevens. Tyler Labine is an actor. He's done a few things, but nothing like super big title, nothing, no AAA films, mm. but he's out there and he's recognizable to those who know who he is. And he's watching. He's watching, always watching. He's always watching. Speaking of things that are watching, emails! I'm watching my emails. Feel free to send us an email, survivortbt at gmail.com, or you can message us on Twitter, at survivortbt, or reddit, u slash survivortbt. So we have a few emails. 
starting off with Tyler. Tyler says in 2008, Nicole became a spokesperson for Proactive Skincare System. Which Nicole are we talking about? The here? first boot. The first boot of this season. Oh, I already forgot her name was Nicole. Yeah, that's okay. Nicole became a spokesperson for Proactive Skincare System, appearing in several ads and commercials. In 2013, she formed Fond Group, a digital marketing marketing agency that offers big business assistance to small companies that make a positive difference in the world. That's a lot of buzzwords. That's a lot of buzzwords, but that's a marketing agency for you. Yep. Did you ever use Proactive? No. I, I'm... Besides the diabetes, <laughs> I'm pretty blessed when it comes to that kind of stuff. Okay. Like, when it comes to, like, I never needed braces. I never got a lot of acne. Mm. Um, so, no, didn't need it, thankfully. For every awkward kid in middle school, I propose a fuck you, Jared. Because yeah. I had the... Oh, right. my personality was the problem. <laughs> I was a Naruto kid. Like... Uh... I was too, but not in the way that you probably were. I just watched it and enjoyed it. I almost bought a headband. I didn't. And like, I was only like the first two seasons, but like, I was a cr- I was cringy. Is that is that the line buying a headband? That's that's definitely a line. That's that's is now a time to admit that I bought two. You fucking weave. I bought the leaf one and I bought the sound one. God damn it's it! A music the sound one is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I didn't I didn't like go out in public and wear it. No, but I did like. I did bring Shonen Jumps, like, to 6th uh, and 7th grade classes. I did not. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also was... I'm 6'1 now. I was also 6'1 then, but I weighed 100 pounds less, give or take. I was a fucking string bean. You're so I was tree. like... I was awkward and gangly. <laughs> yeah. I was too, but I was not as tall, so I was just... Uh, Normal. Just small. <laughs> <laughs> I had the ringer in middle school. I had the braces acne glasses combo yeah it's just all of it i didn't have glasses i didn't know i needed glasses till 11th grade wow so we're working in reverse what do you mean i got rid of my glasses oh i don't wear wear contacts you see laser eye surgery no they they, (laughs) eyes don't just fix themselves they do as you grow sometimes children need glasses and they kind of like grow out of it not always it happened to my sister as well. She had them as a small child, and then by the time she was in, like, fourth grade, she grew out of them. You know how freaky eyes are? They're very strange. We should move on. Okay. Anyway, also looked it up. Johnny Cash's cause of death was complication from diabetes, and his wife had died less than four months prior. That's sad. Probably type 2 diabetes. That makes sense. I don't know when Johnny Cash was born that type 1 diabetics lived. Yeah, I don't know. Or if they did, it, that I mean, it could be type 1. He, like, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Moving on from Josh. A couple notes from Josh. One, I would say Rupert has a strong ability to speak his emotions, which is not the same thing as emotional intelligence. Interesting. Talk it out. Well, you argue with this well, email. This is Carl, right? This is Josh. This is Josh. Sorry. So sorry. Josh has more information than I do. Probably. So, are you saying a podcaster doesn't have all the information directly in front of them? Well, no, no, I'm saying that, I'm assuming Josh has seen the season before. And if Rupert comes back, has seen the seasons with Rupert in it before. So, that could be entirely true. I think he, from what, from the evidence I have so far, it seems like he reads other people's emotions really well. 
it seems like he's a pretty deft navigator of that. We kind of see that in this episode where he's like, oh yeah, okay, Burton, yeah, we'll do that. And he's like, inside, he's like, this fucking idiot. <laughs> like, he does not understand his place in the tribe. I guess it's more keeping your mouth shut. Or like, throw the way, like, he doesn't want to throw the challenge, but he's emotionally intelligent enough to go, okay, you have to sit me out then. Like, mm. I, I don't agree with you. Yeah. And I will do what I need to do for the team, but if you put me in a challenge, I'm going to try to win it. Sure. I don't know enough about the subject to weigh in either way. I can just say that, yes, he is very good at reading what other people are saying, and he's also very good at reading himself. Yes. And knowing when to say things and when not to say things. He does have outbursts, as we've oh, yeah. seen. And but I, 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 oh, go on. I, I was just saying, the outbursts, that shows a level of intelligence to me, but not always a level of control. Like, I can tell that there are, that he is on the brink of losing control sometimes <laughs> of his emotions. Sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then, second note, BB tried to quit Borneo and even tried to get his private helicopter to pick him up. <laughs> I forgot about that. He tried to quit. That's hilarious. But production wouldn't let him leave until he said the words, I quit on camera, which he refused. Right, to I do remember that, yeah. So BB keeps trying to hint to Pagan to vote him out without acting like he's quitting. So as I turn around and see our, our BB shrine behind me, that man couldn't say I quit. And that's the reason why we're here today. <laughs> That's the reason why we hold people hostage in seasons six and seven. Oh, beautiful. It's just, uh, mm. chef's kiss. Because of one old boomer's stubbornness. One man with just absolutely dead eyes. Look, look at them eyes. I mean, he looks a little bit like a ghoul from Fallout in that photo. I have never played Fallout, so I will take your word for it. All right. <laughs> moving on to carl carl email from episode two yeah i mean i have no problem with astrology as like a niche interest or whatever it's only when people take it super duper seriously that i roll my eyes i agree with carl here it's when people use it as a justification for being an asshole yeah that's when i have a problem with i feel it. like that's becoming less common like even people that i, I know that are really into it mm -hmm. use it as like almost like an exercise not something that's like prescriptive yeah but i have also known people that blame bad behavior on it it's like, yeah well, right. i mean we we recently we met someone who is very big into it and like used it as kind of an explanation but not a reason for some of the things like they were working on themselves in therapy and yeah it, her i know who you're talking about okay her approach is really fascinating to me because she was so aware of all of the challenges and struggles that she has as a person. Uh -huh. And that was a shorthand way to talk about it. Yeah. And that was really cool. It's like, I'm a triple water sign. And so I do this and this and this. And it's like, oh, but you actually understand why those things are a problem and you're working on them. Yeah. But this is kind of a almost more playful way to talk about the really challenging things. Yeah. It's the, it's the descriptive text, not the bold headline. Yeah. <laughs> also i grew up watching everybody loves raymond and i have a soft spot for it so once again we're contradicting jared yay when when you tell me i'm wrong it makes me stronger <laughs> some notes how do we feel about the intro for this season i don't you don't like it i don't f have feelings about oh, okay. it okay it's 
unremarkable. We are getting to the point in Survivor Land where we've seen enough of them that they're starting to blend together for me. Sure. Yeah. I think they're visually very distinct. Like all of them look different. Obviously the casts are different, but the the sounds are becoming less and less distinct from each other. Well, and I, I really liked Amazon's. And I liked Amazon's imagery and I liked Amazon's the the different music I don't know. The different music they used mm-hmm. in it. I don't know. I don't know how to talk about that. This one feels like a template. Like the theming is so strong and yet of the season. And yet like it's just kinda like, yeah, some cannons fire and yeah. it's kind of generic and not very helpful. And the music, because they're not pulling from they're not centralizing it on a culture, isn't really like they're not using that culture's music into the intro. And they didn't make it a piratey intro. Sure. So it's just kind of there. <laughs> Carl says, I like Tawana's shot near the end a lot. So I need to pay attention to it. Okay, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll take a, a notice of that next time. Did y'all notice the editors playing a drawn-out whale sound as they show Rupert searching for the spear in the water? No. I think I noticed the sound being different. I, it didn't click in my brain that that was a whale. I meant to talk about it last episode, but we were running long, so I didn't. The sound editing in this season is phenomenal. The mm-hmm. little, like, Jaws theme they played last episode <laughs> with the fishing and, like, these little touches. They have license to play now. Yeah. And I think... It's awesome. It, we're the better for it. Yep. Yeah. And we're not hearing the Jeff out-of-body voiceover as much as we were. True. And I am always impressed that they can get such good audio on location. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. Rupert was totally imagining the tree was Sean's arm when he he snapped it in half. He sure was. It was great. I just love how genuine and dramatic he is. Like, the moment he's about to burst in tears, he just raises his arms forlornly at the travesty they've suffered. It's great. It's great. Here's a picture here. (laughs) (laughs) That that very much looks like a bored Jesus being put up on the cross. Oh, no. (laughs) No, it's... Uh, like, really, guys? All right. It's our guy from The Mercenary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Tawana is Tawana, I believe. Yes, thank Great. you. Yep. yep. And that's it, man. I don't have much for this one. Sandra is a queen. <laughs> yeah. Queen Sandra. Yeah, and that's good stuff. And then I just wanted to highlight, we're going back and forth with personal message with me and Connor, just talking about some stuff and... Just want to give shout out to Connor. Like, Connor, things we can't say on air, but like, you cool, Connor. Thank you for all you do. Hell yeah. That's all I got. Would you like to get to the episode? Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of a good bit, it but was like, I do didn't you wanna, have one. Do you want to think about that more? Do you want to, should we take some time? Let's, 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 uh, let's okay. send it to committee. Let's okay. brainstorm. How about we go make some tea. Mm-hmm. We'll set it up. We'll come back here. Whenever we feel like it, we'll have a bumper. Shit! <laughs> Alright, so this episode came out on October 9th of 2003. As opposed to last week, quite a few things happened this week. Hmm. The first one is Roy Horn of Siegfried and Roy is attacked by one of the show's tigers, canceling the show for good. I do remember this. The tiger show in Vegas, yeah. That was a big one. Good. I'm on the side of the tiger, so <laughs> great. 
Uh, Chicago Cubs win their first MLB postseason series since the 1908 World Series Whoa. with a 5-1 win versus the Braves in Game 5 at Turner Field. Have I told you about... Uh, that sucks. That really sucks. Yeah. I feel that as a Minnesota sports fan. I'm Have, a Lions fan. It's true. Have I told you about the Minnesota Twins and the last time they won in the playoffs? No. It's enshrined in the movie Moneyball. Okay. About the, I believe it's like the 2001 or the 2003 twins over the A's. Wow. That's how bad it's gotten. Uh, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, the Lions have won a playoff game, uh, I believe not since I've been alive. You got a, a Tigers World Series, right? I don't care about baseball. Okay, well, I <laughs> I'd take anything at this point. We have, in my lifetime, I haven't seen a championship. I haven't seen a playoff. <laughs> anyway Jared's very passionate about football and I get that It's true Timothy Treadwell, American environmentalist of Grizzly Man Dies mauled and eaten by bears in Katmai National Park, Alaska at 46 Did you see this documentary? No So there's, the Grizzly Man is the documentary Okay It is interesting And I saw it as a kid So I would need like there's a lot I don't remember about it, but it stuck with me because this guy was basically like, I don't know, he was, he was, he loved bears. He loved grizzly bears. I love bears. And I don't remember why, he's an environmentalist, but I don't know why he was hanging out with the bears, but he was doing it alone. He was basically camping alone. He was, he was filming everything on like a handheld camera on a tripod and it was going well until it wasn't. <laughs> and then they just ate him. As things often do. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think on the footage, if I remember correctly, he's, like, petting the bears, like, hanging out with the bears, but, oh, like, geez. then then they gave, I don't remember if the documentary, if they if they have some of the audio of him being mauled, I don't remember how much they show and how much was just, like, basically, like, this is what happened, but, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a trip, man. Do you remember, like, what the provoking incident was, or if there was one? Uh, no, I don't think anybody knows, because he was the only one there, so sure. it, 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 I mean, grizzlies are, they're, I mean, they're a wild animal that you should not be, like, trying to yeah get in with. I, I think it might have just been one that was starving, because he was eaten. Ugh. So it might have just been, like, a, a particularly, like, bad part of the season in Alaska, or I, I don't remember. But if you have a couple hours to kill, it is a really, I remember it being a really interesting documentary. And then California holds gubernatorial recall election. Governor Gray Davis loses and actor Arnold Schwarzenegger becomes governor. Hey. The governator. The governator. Is this is the first one for the governor? I believe so. Nice. I don't know. I don't know either. Who's to say? I mean, we could very easily wiki that. No. Okay. The top five movies... Oh, same song. The top five movies are Underworld, The Rundown, Under the Tuscan Sun, Out of Time, and number one, School of Rock. I'm sorry? Like Sco School of Rock. Oh, sorry, movie. I was, in my brain, I went, the song, and I'm like, what the fuck is the School no, of No, the Rock? Jack Black movie. I Yes, I get it now. School of Rock's a great movie. It also has a future Survivor contestant. That is it. true. That is true. From the one pre-40 season I've seen. Yep, that is very true. I, I And wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to read the description because everyone should know School of Rock, and if you don't, Pause this podcast and go watch it. Go watch it. What do you think the critic reviews and the audience score are Ooh. for School of Rock? I, I'm i going to 
put it up there. I, this is something I have not done. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a hint. There is a there is a decent sized gap. Sure. I think okay. Well, since you said that, we'll say it's like a sixty-two for the critic score. What What do you think the audience score is? Before I say anything, eighty-four. Very close, but you flipped them. Really, it's a ninety-two critic score and a sixty-four audience score. That's absurd. I know. I would have. I would have thought the same thing you did. That's honestly a, a great movie. Yeah. And I, it holds up today. Not a lot of those movies around that time, especially comedies, hold up. Yeah, I mean, I think it helps that Jack Black's comedy is never punching down. That's fair. And he's a very wholesome guy from everything we from everything we see in his public persona and all of that. He's Bowser. And he fucking loved being Bowser. I know he did. <laughs> he's the costumes to prove it. Yeah, no, Jack Black comedy is always music, or at least usually music focused, mm-hmm. and is always punching up. And that's that usually ages pretty well. Yeah. Okay. Neat. I love that future Nickelodeon star Miranda Cosgrove's in that movie. Yeah. It's very funny. As like the one person who doesn't have a musical talent. <laughs> and Joan Cusack's in that, I think. Yes. As the as the principal, right? I think so. And Sarah Silverman. Wow. There's a lot of people in this movie. That's true. Yeah. Okay. And now they're all on strike. Now they're all on strike. I was actually going to use that as my promotional. So we'll, we'll move past that. All right. Okay. Let's get started with the episode. Episode four, pick a castaway, any castaway. So you saw this title and you had some, you jumped to some conclusions. A conclusion that was kind of right. So I was like, oh, cool. This is where the tribe swap is. Mm -hmm. And as the episode went on, I was like, I was thinking to myself, I didn't say out loud because I wanted to wait to wear a mic. I don't know if this season can have a tribe swap, which is funny because earlier I said it has to. Mm -hmm. But this treasure chest thing kind of fucks up having a tribe swap. It does make it more difficult, doesn't it? Because, sure, in any tribe swap, you are losing the previous rewards. Mm-hmm. That is true. However, this is one that you've, like, you've won over the course of three challenges. Feels real fucking bad to have that taken away from you. So, I don't know if they can. And this system, the kidnap someone system... Mm-hmm is a great compromise. Ooh, okay. This is great for this season. They should have been doing this from week one. (laughs) I'm going to hold your opinions there until we get to it. Cool. But I do want those opinions. I want, like, full breakdown of what's going on here. So episode starts. We have a a shot that's a little ominous with birds hovering over the island. And I'm like, is this a Hitchcock movie? (laughs) Anyway, we're at Morgan. Boats in the water. We have high tide. It's shit right now. We ha- we have not learned from previous seasons. Just move the fucking shelter. Yeah. Stop with this dumbass wall. The tide. Andrew says it. He's like, the tide is getting higher every day. So eventually, you're gonna lose this battle. So why are you doing the work twice? Because <laughs> like digging this up is not easy. These walls are not easy, and you're gonna lose. The ocean always wins. Yeah. Don't fuck with the ocean. Yeah, they're at the point where the water from the tide is essentially up to the shelter, is just reaching maybe the bottom posts. And 
They're trying to hold it back with like a sand wall, with logs, with whatever they can do. Is this a losing fight? Yes! (laughs) Now, I will argue against myself. Okay. And say that they have a nice shelter. They worked really hard on that shelter and they did a good job with it. Should I get you a puppet that you can argue with yourself? (laughs) That's you, Stephen. That's your job. (laughs) I am the puppet master. They only have to make it to the merge. I don't know at what rate the ocean is getting higher and also like it is cyclical with moon cycles and all that kind of stuff so i you know i guess it's not a guaranteed losing fight because eventually you're gonna move like eventually you're not going you're going to merge tribes you probably won't be living here sure okay neat yeah so they're they're doing that they're building a buffer wall they find a crab friend underneath their shelter they they didn't show them doing anything with it. I like that would immediately go into the boil pot for me. Have you heard the theory that eventually all life becomes crabs? Yes, crabification. Crabification. I'm pretty sure we've talked about this on Mike. Great. Have you heard of crab electricity? No. Okay. I got this. This is sourced from a TikTok, but it was like s- sourcing an article. So okay, because that's how we get news in the year 2023. So you get news in 2020. <laughs> Correct. Some scientists believe that they can basically crunch up crab shells and make a battery out of it. And that it is like 800 times more effective than lithium. It is like after, I think it was like eight or 80 charge cycles or something like that. It was still retaining 99.7% of its original load. So like that would be revolutionary I'm all for it. And I hope it happens and that you people listening here heard first about crab electricity <laughs> from a Survivor Rewatch podcast that was taking place in the year 2003, where the show was taking place in the year 2003. I'm... I don't know what to make of that, Jared. Like... I wrote down my notes to talk about crab electricity. <laughs> I Skeptical is a word that is coming to my brain. Like Eventually everything will be crab. All Everything will be crab. Electricity will be crab. People will be crab. Crab people. Crab Dinner will be crab. People. Oh my god. Well, okay. I guess I need to go look up crabification of electricity. Uh, anyway, we go over to Drake and the interpersonal struggles are starting to crack into here. We start with Johnny Fairplay. Johnny Fairplay is frustrated right away about the water situation this is like the lowest hanging fruit of survivor fights Uh, johnny fairplay was doing the water he he feels like nobody else is helping him what's what's funny is the last episode used this to try to get us to think that people were throwing the challenge to get rid of johnny fairplay they got me i definitely thought that's what was gonna happen because they show this disagreement and then they show a little clip of Burton being like, maybe we should throw the challenge. We're being like, I want to smack him. That's fair. And it juxtaposed to me, like, oh, cool. Johnny's yelling at Sandra. Johnny's yelling at Burton about water and Sean about water. Or I don't know. They're the same fucking person. Like, so we're going to aim for Johnny. Nope. Nope. No, not at all. Johnny is not. I mean, we talk about how people feel about Johnny Fairplay. A little bit, but he is not the focus of the votes or of the ire in this episode, which no. I think is funny. Well, not the ire of the contestants. Correct. Okay. <laughs> Definitely the ire of Jeff. Yeah, yeah, truth. <laughs> truth. We'll talk about that. 
Krista is starting to get frustrated with Sean and later in the episode also Burton. And so is Rupert. And so is because Rupert. Because these two, as Rupert called them, jock asses, love that, mm-hmm. are constantly like, huh, 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 man in dress. Yeah. It feels very high school, middle school bullshit, yeah. especially in this episode where you're like, dude, you've made the same joke. And we've heard the joke. Like, several times. Several times. All I can only imagine how many times these were said when cameras weren't rolling. And I suspect Rupert was probably bullied a lot as a kid because he referenced something that felt very deeply personal being like oh yeah make fun of the big oaf or something like that yeah and it's like yeah that's so this is this is probably very familiar to him i also want to take a minute and rupert is in like my top five contestants ever already already wow i I don't know who that list is i haven't in my head in no particular order it'd be sean marquesa sean Amazon Rob, Rupert, Rudy. I don't know who the fifth would be. Okay. But this is a great example of toxic masculinity versus an example of, like, wholesome masculinity, I guess. And not, like, the the end-all, be-all for either one of those things, but Burton and Sean are, from what we've seen, feel like poster children for toxic masculinity mm. a lot of insecurity a lot of like oh that's like the, when they get the sewing machine later like oh that's a girl's work and rupert's rupert is like there's nothing about rupert that is unmasculine and yeah. yet he's not he's very confident in himself he's not afraid to wear a skirt because it's pragmatic and more comfortable mm-hmm. he's not afraid to talk about his emotions yeah he's uh, I, I it's great i love it Rupert. It's a great juxtaposition. Role model for America in 2004. Yeah. Are we still in 2003? 2003. 2003. Fall of 2003. Okay, it's coming up. Yeah, I agree. And part of me wants to say that you're jumping to conclusions and, like, to get a read on someone only a few episodes in, we've been burned before. Yeah. But you are, I can safely say, you are with America on this one. Great. We haven't seen anything like Rupert. And America's falling in love with Rupert at this time. And that, and like I said, Rupert's the one person I have a little bit of insight into because I don't remember anything specific, but I remember the emotion of loving Rupert as a kid. And I thought I wouldn't coming back as an adult. I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, I kind of second be loud and kind of a jackass. And I'm like, oh, you're even, you aged like wine. Like you're so much better than I even remember when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Then we, oh, before we get to the reward, we have established our first alliance in the drake tribe yes and sean burton and michelle are very clearly a clique here and are isolating themselves from the rest of the tribe and never a good idea everyone sees it if in what fucking world do you got like is your game social strategy so bad that you've managed to make sandra and johnny fairplay allies against you now now, I'm not a math genius, mm-hmm. but if I were on a tribe of eight people and I said, how do I get myself further in this game, putting myself with two other people is not how to do that. I wonder if they think they have Johnny Fairplay at this point. Maybe. Or how long they thought they had him. I mean, people have done it before. Like, we've established smaller alliances before, but... 
the goal is you don't make it obvious that yeah. it's a small alliance. You say, all right, keep it on the down low, but we're good, right? Cool. Yeah. Let's not talk and hang out and do all of our things together <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Right. Oh, boy. Yes. Okay, so we move on to the reward challenge. It's a puzzle. We have eight pieces buried in the sand. We have eight pieces held underwater by a clip and a weight. And you have to get all 16 pieces. This is too many pieces. And put together a puzzle at shore. <laughs> too many pieces for five people. Even for six people. Because I imagine they probably built this challenge with like each team having six people in mind. Mm. That would mean that one tribe won one, one tribe won two. Mm-hmm. That's more likely. <laughs> but even with six, it's not enough. Yeah. Make um, it 12. It, it should have been 12. It should have been... Actually... If we're playing five people, it should have been ten pieces. Well, I imagine they couldn't fix it. So if you were planning for six to have six people on each tribe at that point, twelve is fine. So you can, and they do later on pretty easily. Oh. Easy fix is you bury five, you put five in the water. You start with two. And you just have a bag of other pieces that you can use. Yeah. And you can open it once you have all the other pieces. Yeah, okay. I have seen that in modern seasons. And it makes your puzzle more difficult because you don't have to get all of the pieces. Yeah. Because this was a very easy puzzle. And yes, it was. And it was a very this is the rough outline of a very, very classic, now in the modern seasons, classic survivor format. Collect the puzzle pieces, make the puzzle win. Yeah. I, don't get me wrong, I like the challenge, it just, it was too much. Yeah. And, I mean, the teams are very not balanced as, as swimming is concerned. No. And that makes it tough when we are spending a lot of time on the ocean and in aquatic challenges. Yes. So, mm, big yikes. This isn't even close. No. They try to make it seem close at the end. There was a point where Trish did legitimately lose a big lead. Because when she started digging for that piece, I remember hearing Jeff say Morgan's at like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And when she found it, they were at like 13. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she fumbled that bag hard. And they she is lucky that her tribe had such a commanding lead and that Austin almost died. Yeah. Part of me wants to know if that was like edited a little bit it could be but we i saw multiple people run behind her yeah getting pieces while she was still digging fair enough biggest problems tawana struggles to find a piece she goes running while somebody else has the mask on yeah she should have taken the mask and that would have helped her like or let the girl who has the mask on her face go yeah so she wastes a lot of time and you're like oh that's a bummer like that's gonna be hard to catch up And then the next person to go out is Austin. And Austin almost fucking drowns. Yeah. um, We have seen Austin throughout this, like, comment on his swimming ability. Mm -hmm. Why is he going out and doing the swimming portions? Yeah. I didn't realize he was that bad of a swimmer. I... Apparently he didn't realize he was that bad of a swimmer. Yeah, I mean, I I do understand trying... It seems like Austin's found his spirit again, Mm -hmm. at least from what we've seen. And I think he's trying to put the team on his back a little bit. Yeah. He's like, I'm the strong guy. I have to do the strong guy thing. And just literally gets in over his head. But the thing that alarmed me was they don't have a safety crew. Yeah. They didn't stop the challenge. Which, okay, f- fine, I guess. Jeff had to ask, who amongst you is the best swimmer? Great, go out and save him real quick. 
Yeah. There has to... Okay. Modern Survivor, I guarantee there's a lifeguard somewhere. Yeah. Just, like, in case someone smacks their head and goes underwater. Sure. Yeah. Like, very clearly would happen. I, I don't know. I don't know if this was the wake-up call that they needed to be like, we need at least, like, a scuba diver ready to go. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I it, mean, yeah. It seems like a mess, and a mess that they need to figure out. And Jeff seems taken off guard. Like, yeah. he doesn't know... Like, they had never planned for this. Yes. Which, I mean, you don't plan on somebody drowning, but... You better prepare for it. Yeah. And even if you are a good swimmer, I realize that swimming in the ocean is much different than swimming in a pool. Yeah. But it did seem like he got out there, didn't know what to do anymore, and then we didn't know how to get back. Well, it looked like he panicked. He did panic. Yeah. Yes. And thankfully the rope was there. Yeah. Like something to hold on to, because like imagine if there wasn't. This is not the first contestant who has been a self-proclaimed, like, not great swimmer. We've Mm -hmm. had other contestants who literally said, I do not know how to swim. Mm -hmm. Now, why you would apply for Survivor if you don't know how to swim is beyond me. (laughs) It does seem like a bad call. But also, in this, this challenge is built so that you have options. So people like Sandra, who are not good swimmers, can dig things up in the sand instead of going out to swim. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I, (laughs) I am astounded that you would even go out. At that point. I, I think it was just a hero complex. Because be. Tiana had just fucked it up. And mm-hmm. you gotta make up some ground. Yeah. Anyway, Drake wins. That's six challenges in a row. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot of challenges there. Sure is. Have we seen anything like this? I don't think we have. The closest I would say would be the non-Ogacore tribe in Australia for the first few weeks. But mm-hmm. that's that's the closest and that's not even really comparable because they were still winning a couple of reward challenges. Yeah. It's dude. It's fucking brutal. (laughs) And I know that Morgan technically snaps their streak here, but like the first challenge they won is one that the other team threw on purpose. Mm. Do you think they win that immunity if, if they don't throw it? Oh God, no, no, not at all. Rupert and Burton guard the exits. You send everyone else forward and then when they're done, Rupert and Burton walk across and nobody can stop them. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. So they now, Drake has all three pieces of the map. They are, they have a new sewing system, which is a bizarre reward for a challenge. In We've never seen anything like this. Yeah. I mean, this is because they weren't given clothes, right? Yeah. So this is a way to get your clothes back. It's very jarring to see just a sewing machine. Minus the horrific bug bites. Yes. Drake is just on vacation. A little bit. They have rum. Mm-hmm. They have a sewing machine. Mm-hmm. They have a bed. They have blankets. <laughs> they have, by the end of this episode, plenty of food. Some of it rotten. This is absurd. Yeah. So Rupert's building his new skirt. It's... Would you call it a skirt? It's pretty long. Would you call that, like, dress? I don't know. It's a good question. I I don't know what the difference is. I think it's a skirt, because I think a dress is something that is one thing that covers your your whole body, and a skirt would be just the bottom. Oh, I think you're right. Okay, cool. So he's building that, and he's getting more flack from... uh, Was it Burton? Was it Sean? Who cares? They're the same person. (laughs) Well, apparently someone cares based on how the votes went. Well, true. Yeah, so he's doing that. Rupert's really annoyed. And then they go to find the treasure. And we know exactly where it is. We've talked about this. 
<laughs> we pretty much know exactly where this is. They they go out. They're looking for what was it? The devil's triangle. Tri- it wasn't the triangle. Devil's fork. The, would you look at this tree and say no? Yeah, that it was a stretch to label it as that, and it wasn't labeled. It was just like fruity language to get you there. Yeah. It also they, they did not do a good job with this treasure chest system for three reasons. Uh huh. That mm-hmm. their map shows the path from that fork going north, and their clue says to go south. So someone fucked up, and half their shit is spoiled. Yeah. So they they dig up their treasure chest, and they find it eventually, and they're struggling to get it open because it's it's like if they would have dug enough, they would have yeah. got it all out. But when they do open it up, clearly water has seeped in and gotten most of it. Why did they try to actually put this in a fucking, like, tr- like treasure, wood-ass treasure yes. trunk and not something that is secure? Because you can't even make the excuse that they got to it late. They mm-hmm. got to it as quickly as they possibly could. They won yeah. all three challenges and went the same day. And still, half their shit's moldy. And I do not, as a rule, like agreeing with Johnny Fairplay. That being said, he's right. His confessional is right where he's like, yeah, it's a little bit like, I mean, I don't like the term ghetto Christmas. That's yikes. Sure. But he, like, he's right to be pissed. Like, they worked hard for this. They earned this. And production fucked them. Yeah. And, like, I get it that you want to make it authentic looking. But just have the wooden chest and then have, like, a plastic bag around the things to keep it dry. It's yeah, it's not that hard. Nah. We have had canning and preserving technology for thousands of years, and it's only gotten better. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Their best. And like some of the cans were dented, I'm like, cool, so you can't use those either. Because you'll you have a risk of getting botulism. Like the fuck, man. Oh, uh, how much fun. How much fun are we having? It I love this season. It's great. I, this season's great. Yeah. I, it makes me so mad. So, yeah, they open it up and immediately they're like, oh, that thing smells terrible. And the things that they get out of it that are actually worthwhile are chocolates. It looks like a nice glass bottle of Ferro Rocher. Yeah. Little chocolates. Blankets and a hammock that they can clean up air That out. smell like shit. Yeah, it smells like shit right now, but you leave those out in the sun long yeah. enough. They're going to be fine. The canned food, you're right, is a little... I'm skeptical on the canned food. Yeah, it, there's. I saw probably like half of them that were dented, and I'm like, cool, so you have to throw all those out. Great. Maybe you can use them for bait. Sure. Yeah, so we, we figured out what was in the chest. How do you feel about the, the stuff in the chest? If, if everything worked perfectly, how would you feel about the stuff in the chest? It'd be great, except Sandra hit it out of the park so hard in episode one that... They don't need it. Like, it's a nice little treat. And mm-hmm. I guess that's a reward shouldn't be something you need, technically. Sure. But at this point, the Drake tribe has more luxuries than we have ever seen. Mm-hmm. And they've just gotten a little bit more. <laughs> it's a cool idea. And I think what they put in the chest, had it been preserved correctly, was helpful and impactful. But Sandra fucked up so much of this season. Yeah. It's How much alcohol do they have? The, a lot. We have, 
every episode we get shots of people drinking on the beach. Uh-huh. And it is day 10 through 13 in this episode. Correct. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So that all happens. We then flip over to the Morgan tribe where Andrew and Rhino are going to go on an adventure. They've established that they really need to find some fish. Like they're doing poorly with fishing. And where is Austin in this whole part of the episode? Because Tiana says a lot of like, oh yeah, our, our men are out fishing and we don't see him during the raid, the camp portion, but he's not with the other two either. We do. There's a a brief flash to him, like rolling his eyes when they're talking about what they're going to take. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. But that's it. Yeah. So clearly he didn't like want to greet Trish. He didn't want to participate in any like talking back and forth. He just wanted to be there and judge. Yeah. All right. Uh, while this is happening, yeah, Trish comes to steal, and they keep flipping back and forth between the two storylines at Morgan. Yeah. And so Trish is like, uh, I came to take the lantern. Do you think they would even let them take the pot? We talked about it last episode a little bit, but if they only have one, I mean, Andrew says, like, if she takes that, we're fucked. We're, we're done. It's yeah. game over. We're dehi- We have no way to get water, and we're dehydrated, so... I, like, I guess what you said last episode would have to be. They'd have to do some type of penalty and give them something new. Or give them, like, a really small pot. Like, make it painful. Yeah. But you, ha- you they'd have to give them something. I think that's what it would be. Is, like, they give them, like, a tiny something to be able to function as a human. But you don't get, like, freebies on this one. Yeah. You have to boil it, like, four ounces at a time. Or you have to do, like, a penalty something. Yeah. Do this task and you get a pot. Wow. I don't know. This is a pathetic state of affairs at Morgan. It doesn't matter because Trish takes the lantern. Yeah. And everyone's like, they're playing it pretty pretty cool on this one. Like, oh no. Ah, dang it. Are you sure you want that one? Are you sure? All right, go ahead. (laughs) And on the other side, we get the, the Blair Witch Project. Like, they're following these people, doing nothing, accomplishing nothing. They are lost in the woods. Yep. They get... With a handheld camera. With a handheld camera. Which... I'm very confused by, because they have camera crews Mm -hmm. with professional cameras. Why are we following these two guys with a handheld? For me, from like a a video standpoint, I'm thinking this was the, I'm going to get shots while this is happening, because I didn't actually think action would be happening. I thought we would get to the other side and they would figure out. You're right. uh, Unless this person has like a bag that they're carrying of the big camera. And this is like the, oh, fuck, here, something's happening camera. That, that could be true. It's like the fisheye lens we had last season. Yeah. Where, like, we jump into a scene halfway through an argument. It's like, they were not filming when this conversation started. Correct. Yeah, that, that's my guess. They get all the way through to the other side, and they're like, this is not what we saw on the map. There is nothing here. I, this is miserable. Do you think their map is wrong, or do you think they are wrong, or do you think both? I think both, and here's why. We've already seen from the Morgan camp that these people can't draw a fucking map. Yeah. It looks like they do a poor job of navigating because of how lost they were, so I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they like thought they were going directly one direction and they actually kind of wandered and sprawled off in a different direction. Yeah, when lost people naturally go in like a circle. Yeah. Two... The map, to me, seems more of an artistic representation than a literal representation of what the islands are. Yep. So, I do think that's a little misleading. (laughs) Even if the geography is correct, the 
the natural landmarks that they were looking for were not there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I also wrote down, not all who wander are lost, but these two sure are. They're fucking lost. (laughs) Yeah. So they have to go back with their heads between their knees because they're like, we got nothing. Yeah. A whole day wasted. Yep. And they have to like crack coconuts and get coconut water to have enough like water to make it back. Yeah. So night falls. We're at Drake and Burton can't sleep. Sees Rupert. Like, hey, let's go talk. What if, crazy idea here, what if we throw the challenge? We can get our weak, weakest people out. Burton has zero social awareness or emotional intelligence. He, How pick, can, he picked the worst person to go to for this. Correct. A couple things. How do you think you and Rupert are friends? All you do is bully him, from what we see. Mm-hmm. There are people that have such low understanding of that those kind of situations that... Maybe he thinks that is what relationship building is. Burton. And the other thing is, you don't know Rupert at all. I We only see him on TV, and the moment that... I mean, it, of course, is teasing the next time on, but, like, I knew Rupert wasn't going to go for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this man that has that is so fucking competitive, and also very... I would, I would consider Rupert to be very tribal. Like, he is very much, like... From what what I gather about him, very team-oriented, very, like, cool, these are my people, and I will rip the skin from your body before I betray them. <laughs> so, how do you think he's gonna go for this? Uh, really well, I hope. It doesn't go well. It does, well, he, Burton thinks it does. Yeah. So, we we get the next morning, and we're like, I, I, guess, uh, I guess we're throwing the challenge. And both sides are, like, everyone seems to be in on this. Like, everyone seems to say, okay, I guess we're doing this. That should give pause. Yeah. If you're... (laughs) If everyone is down to throw the challenge, somebody's being lied to. And Burton, it's probably you. It's, yeah. If the people who are, you're saying, are on the chopping block, look at Rupert and Burton sitting out and say, yeah, okay. Something's not right. Something's not right. Yeah. So, we get to the immunity challenge. And as they describe it, it's like half checkers, half professional wrestling. What this is, is you have the five tribe members, you get them across, it's, you move one person at a time in these diagonal lines, and if you meet in the middle, then you have to push the other person off. This is a turn-by-turn version of the challenge from thailand yes the one where rob tried to choke clay out and i thought i was on clay's side then i learned better (laughs) i'm pissed steven why this is a fantastic challenge yeah and it's fucking wasted it is because they throw it i wanted to see rupert yeet people into the sea yeah i wanted to see burton just like sparta kicking people off the off the columns I wanted to see Johnny Fairplay getting broken in half by Austin. We did see that one, actually. (laughs) I... (sighs) What's wild to me is that even Jeff is blindsided by this. Yeah, and I I think I've talked before about, well, Jeff has to know all this stuff that's happening in camp. And I don't think that's necessarily the case at this point. It's not necessarily the case, but 
I think that's on his team, on the camera people, because this happened last night. So someone filmed it. So the night person should have came back, reported back and said, hey, this might be happening, even if it's not, so that Jeff is aware. Yeah. Because he turns around mid-challenge and he's like, Wait, why are you sitting? (laughs) Why are Burton and Rupert sitting out? Yeah, I feel like I explained this very clearly. It doesn't make sense to me. And they're like, I guess it was my turn in the rotation, says Rupert. Yeah, which is an obvious lie. Obvious lie. And Jeff knows it's a lie. Yes. I mean, I don't think... He he kind of lets it go. Yeah, it, it, it makes me wonder if it's not a mistake but intentional choice that Jeff has not given this information of what is happening at camp. Because I, I noticed it a couple times on Amazon, too, where I was like, you should know this. I think he does before tribals. Because he asks leading questions. Yes. Oh, he has to. But I don't think he's getting, like, information on their camps day to day. He should be. I think he will at some point. Yes. <laughs> it, it's coming. He should have known this. I don't know why someone dropped the ball on that. And I don't really see what the advantage is of not telling him. Because for the viewer, it leaves us in a point where we're seeing... I mean, the only benefit I see is Jeff seeing Jeff's earnest reaction to something mm-hmm. like that. But, like, it ends up where Jeff is asking and reiterating things that we already know. Yeah. Oh, th- so I don't care. If, if you're trying to get a genuine reaction, then I, I see it. I don't like it. I liked it for this one thing. Mm-hmm. But I think overall, it's not worth it. Yeah, I agree. So, this goes as lopsided as they wa- everyone wanted it too yeah like drake loses and even to the point where johnny fairplay looked like he was actively sabotaging the game yeah where we have three people in the way of this one person trying to cross the last person from the morgan tribe and we move them out of the way so that that person can finish yep and this i could not believe they still did this since the challenge started with jeff being like and you'll win like besides immunity You'll win something else that I'll reveal at the end. Mm-hmm. Dude. You, what are you doing? So we open the note, we look at it, and oh, what by the way. What are you doing? We are, the winning tribe gets to take one member from the other tribe and take them away. They're going to go live on your camp. They're not on your tribe, but they're going to compete with you in the next reward challenge. But they're also safe from the vote and will not vote. What so, are you doing? As any sane person would, they picked Rupert. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. They picked Rupert. They took him with him. So this throws a wrench in all of the the conversations. Yes. And I, I now I want to expound upon what I said earlier. Yes. This is the ideal tribe swap for this season. I wish they would have done it from the first challenge. Okay. Because it is really fucking cool. Like, it's first of all, it's a great way to get people introduced to the other tribe Mm -hmm. and break down that tribal barrier. Mm -hmm. It's a great way to exchange information or resources, especially in a season where one tribe is so lopsided in what they have and how they are surviving. Like we see in the, in the next time on that Rupert is showing them how to survive. Rupert is the red beret from Thailand that popped in (laughs) and is making their camp for them. You're right. And he's also a really like, I think there's a genuine kindness to Rupert that we've seen where, like, 
in his competitive spirit because he's like, no, don't take their water. Don't don't make it hurt them. Mm-hmm. So like he's also not going to sit around and be like, no, I'm not going to help you or right. like sabotage them or anything. I, I think it's awesome. And I'm so excited to see how it plays out. And I'm so mad at these fucking jabronis for throwing this goddamn <laughs> challenge. Although at least Burton goes home. Yeah. So back at the Drake camp, we are talking it out and we realize... Guess who the swing vote is? It's fucking goddamn Johnny Fairplay. It's Johnny Fairplay, baby. I'm, I'm throwing up the peace <sighs> signs. Johnny, Johnny Fairplay. <laughs> and he knows it, too. He's evil Greg. He's evil Greg? He's evil Greg. He's found, please. <laughs> He's... So, I'm referencing Greg from season one, who was one of my favorite contestants from that season. Mm-hmm. Greg was a weirdo, kind of a goofball, but was playing the game and I think had Rich not been there probably would have been the winner. And Johnny is just a drunk frat boy that is doing chaos. Uh, uh, He's all the, all the, like, if you take like the goofy parts of Greg and make them malicious and ramp them up to 11, that is Johnny Fairplay. This is the reality TV of the time seeping its little toes into oh, yeah. Survivor. This guy walked off the set of real life or whatever on MTV and ended up on the Survivor lot by accident when they were casting. And they're like, him, get get him, get him to Panama right now. Joke's on you. It's the same lot. Paramount, baby. Okay, stage, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, Johnny's in control. He's... He knows it. Like, they try to veil this. They're like, Johnny's the wild card. He is a wild card. He's going off. He's skinny dipping and getting it. He got so goddamn drunk. He got drunk and then went to tribal. We'll, we'll get there. I want to po- point out his confessional first. Okay. Where he's like, I'm great. I'm so good at this game. I'm a strategist. I got an alliance over here with Rupert and Sandra and, and all those people. And I got a one-on-one alliance with Sean. And I got a... And I got in alliance with Sean and Burton and Michelle. And I'm like, that's not good. You realize that's a problem, right? Like, that is not a solution. You you can't go and promise everyone your word. Because then you are going to stab somebody in the back. You have to play a little more coy than that this early in the game. You can't just promise your allegiance to everyone. The... (laughs) It... It makes it, it. We see a little bit of the blowback with Krista, where Krista's like, "I don't know if I'm the one being played. Mm. He could be playing me." Yeah. Nobody can trust you because your allies cannot tell what is an act and what is not, and you think that's a strength, and it is not. Yes, I I agree with what you're saying, unless you do it well. Correct. He's not doing it well. Do we do we have enough information to know that at this point? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, it's fine. Uh, yeah, y- yes, because Krista voiced it to us. Sure. My biggest thing is that we haven't seen him making these deals, so we don't know exactly what's being said. Sure, but you all, it part of making a deal is that you you have to be perceived as reliable. Mm-hmm. Do you think anyone on that beach perceives Johnny Fairplay as reliable? At this point in the season? Weirdly, probably. Then they are foolish. <laughs> They're all fools. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe some of it's an act. Maybe he's smarter than I'm letting on. 
but he also gets, he's a swing vote, and he gets ass-blasted drunk. Sure. Although I do think, he mentioned his one-on-one alliance with Sean, and Sean votes for Burton. So I do think he he keyed Sean in on like, hey man, the vote's not going your way. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting. And then he mouths up about it in the next time on, drunkenly around the campfire, and tells everyone. Yeah. So any, anything else you want to say about that? Yeah, no. That's okay. the end of the rant. Cool. Let's, let's speed through tribal. <laughs> Jeff calls him out on being drunk. The exact quote was, are you loaded? Are you loaded? <laughs> and... This is a moment that I I watched and I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure I did not catch that as a kid. Like, mm. I didn't know what that meant. Sure. That's why he didn't just straight up ask, are you drunk? Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Smart. And he openly says, yeah, <laughs> I'm totally am. Well, you can't lie about it. It's so fucking obvious. And I don't, yeah, I don't think he wants to. I mean... Why not lie about it? The Jeff. next, the next people lie about the quest. Like the people lie about why? Why are you sitting out the strong guys? And they're like, yeah, rotation. Yeah, but he's visibly drunk. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Like Jeff is very clearly annoyed and like doesn't know what Jeff's to do. Pissed. This is, I think, one of the most visibly upset he is at a person without outwardly saying it. Yeah. This reminds me of when Clay wrote down this, like, giant, long thing voting out Gandia, and he was like, cut the nicknames. Yeah. Fucking, like, write real names. I didn't even get to see his vote, because I would have loved to see him try to read that shit. If the next episode opens with production crew going to the beach of Drake and taking all of their alcohol, I would not be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And then to end this session, we ask Johnny Fairplay, why are you voting the way you are tonight? And he's like, Astro- what astrological signs. Whatever the uh, astrological signs tell me, baby. And Jeff is having none of his shit. This is... Did you write down what he said there? D- uh, no, go ahead. Jeff says, is that really the right way to treat somebody you've lived with for 12 days? And he goes, I guess we'll see you in a few minutes. Hey, hey, Johnny? Mm-hmm. Mr. Fairplay. Yes. If you, if you I, may. I guess I'm yeah. taking Hey, oh, what does that mean? Uh, nothing. Because it means that they're gone. <laughs> and we will never see them again. Yeah. Or at least until the reunion. I wish this was an act. <laughs> well, let's get through the season. And then whenever he goes, I want to... Let's have a conversation about his... If it's an actor, if it's him. Okay. Because I, I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll go through and things may change. You may see things that you're like, is this an act? Is this not an act? How long do you think he stays? It's a good question. I mean, he's in the alliance that I think will go a long way. Mm. He does have a sort of armor in being unlikable because he's not reliable. But also, does it, like everyone else also knows he's unreliable? So maybe that can be used as a benefit. I think there's going to be bigger fish to fry for a very long time. Okay. So I would not be surprised if he's in the final five or six. Oh, okay. I know. Well, Burton's gone. Yep. Burton does not come back to play Survivor again. Uh, He hardly played it this time. (laughs) He does, however, go on to get his fingers in reality tv though he starts a production company called 
Around the World Productions. And they get shows on multiple different television channels. Wow, like, okay. They get his first show, Camp Reality, aired on Fox Reality. Then pair, he paired up with a winner of season two of The Amazing Race to do this. And over the years, we filmed in more than 50 countries and made shows including Around the World for Free, Missions in Action, Rach the Rescue, the CBS Buzz Tour, and we did a lot of work for the CBS Interactive. I've heard of none of those, the but boy, good for him. Also, the Boy Scouts of America. Oh, outside, TV, outside TV, Travel Channel, Lonely Planet, to name some fun partners. Yeah. Great. So I mean, we, hey, that fail upwards. Yeah. He did Bound Survivor, then spun that into something good, and honestly, he probably struck while the iron was hot, because we are, at this point, what, five years from the writer's strike that really propels reality TV? to what it is today so that market opened up real big for mm-hmm. him in a couple of years yeah all right how do you think burton does in future survivor pretty bad right. i mean i i think this is probably as he definitely isn't the first boot on his tribe most seasons his tribe is a powerhouse this is his floor that, well it's it's weird to talk about because we are on day 12 he is sure. the fourth person to go home but he's the first one from his tribe yes which is a very rare scenario yeah so we'll talk about it like he's the first vote yeah so th- he I, I don't think he's the first vote hardly ever but i don't think he has the awareness to place highly okay he made so many easily avoidable mistakes like pairing up with only three people and then relying on Johnny fucking Fairplay to be your fourth and also in a tribe of eight. It's not like he knew Rupert was going anywhere. Not being able to read Rupert correctly and like not building a relationship and trying to pull a big play while not building a relationship. Intentionally putting yourself in a vulnerable spot by throwing a challenge. Mm -hmm. Even if you didn't think it was a vulnerable spot. So I think most of the time he's probably an early merge vote if not like just before the merge type of vote. Sure. This is probably his floor. I mean, he's the first one to go home on his tribe. That's as floor as you can floor. That's as floor as you can floor. His absolute ceiling would just kind of be being a goat, but to be perfectly honest, he's probably too strong to be a goat. Yeah. You don't want to take somebody physically strong to the end with you. So he better be in control of the game, otherwise he's he's getting his boot pretty early. Yeah, and even then, like, I don't think he can maneuver. Being in the power position is difficult. Mm -hmm. And... I think it's going to bite... Right, we've watched it bite people in the butt over and over again. I don't think he's deft enough to navigate that. Yeah. It, yeah. It's weird, because in the Drake tribe, there is that power vacuum of, like, there isn't a queer leader. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know what happens if there is a queer leader, if that helps him get out of his own way, or he becomes the leader, and then either puts himself in the way, or somehow navigates it really well. I mean, he was Sean's second, right? Sure. So, like... Sure. If you if you end up in, but that's not really how Survivor works anymore. I feel like no. in the '40s is like having a strong leader and their second that go far. So, yeah, it's not it's not a great outlook for Burton either way. All right, cool. And then real quick, your protagonist of the episode. It's Johnny fucking Fairplay. And it should be. Yeah. Yay. Yep. This is Johnny's episode. I love it. It um, probably won't be the only one. It's hilarious. Uh. Okay. Cool. Then let's end the episode with a bumper.
that'll do it for this episode of the Survivor Back Time podcast. Just a, a programming note for next week. We'll have our regular episode on Monday. But then we'll have a special episode to celebrate the one-year anniversary of the Survivor Back Time podcast. Oh, are we not recording? So we're recording. We're going to re- record one. And then okay. we have a, I have a little activity for us for the second episode. Cool. Yeah. Are so, you going tell me what is ahead of time? Yeah, probably. Okay. Just to give you some prep work, but I might keep a few of the details to, to myself. All right. All right. Cool. Uh, anything you'd like to promote? I'm going to stand in solidarity and promote with what you're going to promote. So you go ahead. Okay, cool. I'm going to promote the actor slash writer strike. If you're looking at this from the outside... One, people have a tendency to look at specifically actor strikes and say, well, these big budget actors are making millions of dollars. Then why am I supporting an actor strike when those people are just going to make more money? But really, that's not what this is about. Because mm-hmm. the that's the reason why there is a union. Because people who are those big budgets, most of them... I shouldn't say most of them. Some of them don't care about all of the small people around them. Right. But it takes such a huge forest, an ensemble of people to build anything. Yep. And for, you, oh, go for those of you that haven't been on a film set, it is insane, mm-hmm. truly insane, the number of people. And not just actors and writers, but you have, you have, just go through some random names. You have your director, your first AD, your second AD, uh, you usually have three to four grips. You'll have lighting people. You have uh, you obviously have all the camera people. You have uh, costuming hands. You have any background actors. You have any actors that are in the scene. You have PAs. Like it is it. You have catering. Mm-hmm. Um, you have it, it is it is legitimately a small village. Yeah. I I did a scene in a, a bowling uh, uh, like a an alley. Thank you, bowling alley. I couldn't think of the name of it. And it, it looked like it was a Friday night in the 80s, like with the number of bodies that were there, and none of them were extras. Yeah. So it, it's so easy for people to see a finished product and not see all the people that are working on it. And the problem is right now is that the industry is changing. I mean, it has been changing over the last decade. It's not the same, but the contracts don't reflect that. Mm -hmm. So streaming is so much bigger than television and cable right now. And people aren't getting the right residuals for things because of that. So what these corporations want to do is not pay them for these residuals, and they're being asses about it. And more specifically, they're trying to use AI technology to pay people once for their likeness and then never use background actors again. Yep, that's a big one. Yeah, like you mentioned residuals. I mean, streaming companies don't even release numbers yeah. on how like what their viewership is. Mm-hmm. They writers specifically there's things called like small rooms or tiny rooms something like that where it's basically um, you have you use a skeleton crew of writers mm-hmm. to get the same product and you do it as like, oh, but it's like a pitch, but then you just keep extending it one episode at a time to basically cut the cost in half, more than half, because you're also paying them less and you have less people. Right. It's really, really fucked up. Yeah. And it's not, I, 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 I actually a little, 
ashamed of us that we haven't brought this up sooner because the writer strike's been going on for a while. It has been going on for a while. And I think we've, we've mentioned it, but we haven't really dug deep into it. Know that when you're looking at this from the outside, these aren't people being selfish. These aren't people trying to like get a one-up. These are people who are trying to live. These are people who are trying to make a living and they deserve a fair wage. And just because streaming companies want to make more money doesn't mean that they should take it out on these people who help make the shows. And remember, a rising tide carries all ships. Mm-hmm. You don't need to put someone else down to get ahead. It is not... The the economy is not a zero-sum game, <laughs> and we should eat the rich. But uh, if they are successful in getting most of their demands... Do not be surprised at dirty tactics that come afterwards. Mm-hmm. Don't be surprised if your Netflix subscription goes up. Don't be surprised if your Hulu subscription goes up. And then they say, oh, but it's because of the actors and writers. It's their fault. It's not. It's not. Yeah. So, basic plot here. Don't say, fuck you, I got yours, or I got mine. Stand in solidarity with these people. And not that people, this isn't like they're public-facing businesses, so I, I doubt it'll happen, but don't cross the fucking picket line. Yeah. If you want someone to explain it better, go look up Adam Conover. He's been, he's a great messenger for this. He, he is a great messenger, and he's he's more. I mean, he's he's good because he's on both the actor side and the writer side, and I think he has a uh, very good perspective and a very good way of telling people details that they wouldn't necessarily know. So go take a look at that. <sighs> Rant over. Let's uh let's go enjoy the rest of our day. I'm so hungry. For my co-host, Jared, this is Steven. For my host, Steven, this is Jared. Bye-bye. Cancel your streaming subscriptions. (laughs) No. No.